Greetings and salutations, EOB Mafia. Welcome back to another next level installment of Evolution of Brand. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 153, I'm sharing the mic with conscious leadership extraordinaire Nicole Belle Isle for an in depth conversation about personal brand, leadership, and authenticity. As we tap into the evolution of Nicole's brand today, we'll be discussing a major life decision Nicole made that many people would struggle with, the philosophy of conscious leadership and the role it plays in the development of your authentic personal brand, and how walking a path paved by passion can help you avoid burnout and bring peace and fulfillment to your life. All of this and so much more is ready and waiting for you on episode 153 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from yours truly. You want to know the biggest problem with podcast guesting, EOB Mafia? Too many people are overcomplicating it. Guests are joining podcasts and going into sales mode, they're treating it like it's a performance, and they're not taking advantage of the incredible networking and relationship building elements that make the podcast community so great. Now me, I'm all about doing things right, doing things strategically, and doing things with ease. I've narrowed podcast guesting down to three core fundamentals that will allow you to leverage podcast guest appearances as a primary piece of your brand building initiatives. If you want to attract new clients, generate more revenue, enhance your network, and achieve undeniable results, then you need to check out what I have in store for you today. Visit podcastguestingsimplified.com to learn more. Nicole Bell Isle, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say hello to the EOB Mafia and share a time that you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. Well... This has been happening over and over again, and my intuition only grows. But I would say when people told me not to quit my nine to five at Harvard, I did it anyway. And I've, <laughs> I've never looked back. I'm still involved in a different way, but I've transitioned out of that lifestyle. Was there a driving force that made you take, take that path and decide to leave that nine to five? There was. I was really hitting a ceiling, both in the salary that I could make and in the level of expertise or the training that would be required to continue to climb the ladder, if you will. So I had, would, I would have to get a PhD to mm. continue to grow there. And I thought, I don't, that's not the track for me. I'm much more entrepreneurial than I am a researcher and I need to get out there and, and do my own version of this thing. So I, yeah, I hit a point and took that risk and it was almost like the pain of staying in the control of the nine to five and the predictability of that was more painful than the risk of getting out there and starting to be in my art of starting businesses, of working with others, doing the same. So I had to make the leap. And that had to be a major leap because I'd have to assume working at Harvard, you probably would have gotten your PhD from Harvard that's not the easiest thing to walk away from. And, and many people probably wouldn't want to because having that on your resume could lead to some pretty big things. But you decided that what you're, what you, what was calling you out there was much more powerful. So I commend you for making that decision and having the stick to to move forward and make it all come Thank together you. in a positive way. Yeah. What really gave me the courage to leave was realizing that my identity and my self-worth was so wrapped up in my identity at work. As in, I was my work, I was my title. 
And there was this self-reflective moment of realizing, wow, if I continue to outsource my identity and my worth in my career, the more time that goes on doing this, the less I am really knowing myself and the less that I'm really living in my purpose. And I, I know that that's not true for everyone. I do, I'm not hating on the nine to five, I think as a model, that is right for some people. But for me, I could feel all the frustration of, wow, I'm soaking in all of this wisdom all around me. I'm surrounded by experts all the time, but my voice is feeling completely blocked in terms of how I could translate that, run it through my own unique gifts and turn it into something where I would have more creativity and more autonomy. I felt very stifled in bringing that to a template, if you will, that had already been designed. So this was this identity piece and self-worth was a huge part of the the bravery of deciding to leave. And it's made all the difference and it's brought you to where you are today and all paths lead to evolution of brand on this day. And I'm so glad to have you here, Nicole, because we're going to have a great conversation. We're going to talk about how your personal brand has grown over the years. And we're also going to talk about conscious leadership. I'm really looking forward to learning more about that and how identifying these key elements of leadership can factor into how your personal brand grows and how it impacts others. Before we dive into all of that, Nicole, take a few moments to tell us about how your brand has evolved over the years. And you've already set the table a little bit about why you made the big decision, but how has it all come together to get you to where you are today? It started with prototyping small versions of my personal brand. I was still playing small for a really long time, even after leaving my position at Harvard. So I would dabble in event planning here and there, right? So I, I knew, okay, what am I good at? I'm really good at event planning. I'm really good at organization. I'm really good at writing. And I was limiting myself by putting myself in these different silos. And it wasn't until I sort of got outside of each one of those buckets and started to ask big questions like, how does this all fit together? How does my love for personal transformation and energy work even, because I, I do a lot in the healing space as well, how does that integrate and connect with leadership? And how does that combination connect with my love of nature, let's say? So I started, started to see, wow, I'm a really multidimensional being. And the synthesis of my brand signature, it took asking those questions and many iterations of piloting, doing the scary thing, getting myself out there, feeling like maybe I had failed or really sold myself short because I was having to pinch off large sections of myself to fit into these smaller roles. So again, asking questions, I think questions are portals in, in a huge way and starting to ask, how does this all fit together? How do, what does my ideal day look like? What, who am I really serving? And what is the message that I am uniquely positioned to share the story that only I can tell through how I live my life and how I grow my companies? And those are all big questions and they're not, they're not linear. It's not a one and done. You don't ask it once, get the answer and move on. These, I've come back through these questions so many times to revisit and refine with nuance. And over time, I think the the clearer I got about who I was serving, how I wanted to show up in the world and beginning to share that message in a clear way, that became such 
an attractor or a lighthouse to the right people. Because if you're in a room and you're full of gifts or full of the unique offerings that you can have in the world, but you're not sharing that and you don't know how to clearly convey what it is you're doing, you could have someone who is the person that you need to speak with or the person that you need to partner or collaborate with and not know it. There, there's a loss of translation when we cannot transmit our message and our brand with clarity. So part of it was clarifying the message, but then the other big piece for me was through all of these iterations and going into uncomfortable spaces of practice, because it's all one big practice and the entrepreneurial journey is a hell of a mirror reflecting back all of our shadows, all of our insecurities. So getting really comfortable with that to the point where I could walk into a room and feel so embodied, so trusting within myself because I had done that work to investigate who am I serving? How am I wanting to show up in service of this larger mission? And how can I best speak about that? And then doing it over and over and over. And then I started to find the right people and flash to today. And I am a program faculty at an executive education program at Harvard University. So I still have that tie. I kind of like came back around and was like, hey, this is how I would love to work with you guys. And I'm working with a group called Leaders on Purpose that studies purpose-driven leadership or conscious leadership with Fortune 500 CEOs. And so I'm, I'm in rooms with incredible people now. And I feel like that path to get into those rooms and into those conversations, into those relationships, simply wouldn't have happened. Those doors wouldn't have opened because I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't standing there in the power of my message and the power of my personal brand. So it, to me, it's a huge process of, of self-awareness. And that translates to both the personal branding and the conscious leadership aspect that you mentioned. And I think a lot of what you've accomplished was because you were willing to take those steps to make change and, and expand your comfort zone, which is something that I know holds a lot of people back. Once you get complacent or once you get to a point where you just feel as if you've peaked or maybe if going beyond that comfort zone is going to bring in new responsibilities that you're not ready for or you're not sure how to tackle, that's when a lot of people will go into that mode of trying to transfer energy the other direction. And I know that stifles growth in a lot of different ways. I think what you're demonstrating with your story and how you grew was you got beyond that and knew you had to stretch your limitations and stretch those capacities and look at where it led. Perfect example. Got you right back to almost where it started, but in a much bigger function and allowing you to accomplish a lot more that was gratifying for you and the journey you were on. Exactly. And I think about all of the practices along the way that I picked up through different people I admired or through different healing journeys that I went on. And there's so many practices that really help to build that trust in self and that confidence to keep showing up. So it was things like speaking with my inner child when she would get scared or feel uncomfortable and doing some of that inner work or that reparenting is a big movement that's out there in the healing space right now have actually taken the time and the space to sit down and say, okay, I feel fear right now. So acknowledging the feeling, letting yourself feel it, asking, where does that come from? And often I'd be like, wow, that's, that's my seven-year-old self who is terrified that if I speak to my dad, 
what I'm real that I'm wanting to go sing on stage or I want to I want to start a band that he either isn't going to believe in me or or whatever it might be, right? There, there's that wounded inner child often. And what I have found is that those practices of really being with yourself require a slowing down and a level of stillness that our current model for work simply doesn't allow time for. We just don't have the space for it often. So part of conscious leadership, I think, is actually creating the space and setting the boundaries and saying, no, I'm at my limit. I'm at my capacity. I actually can't take this project on because I'm committed to being a self-leader first and foremost. And I am leaving all of these inner children through a massive amount of fear every time that I step out on a ledge. And I think as we grow and as we build more success in our lives, there's also interesting elements in our relationships with other people that can turn up. We, We might fear our own potential even, because as we step into that, does that mean that we lose the people we love? Does that mean we alienate ourselves from them or they judge us or they want something from us? So I feel like as you get to these new tiers of success, there's almost a deeper dive into the personal transformation stuff that is begging to happen. But again, if we don't slow down and find the practices that work for us, because I think it'll look different for every person, Mm-hmm. we can go down a track for a very long time without being awake and without being conscious to the choices and the habits that are forming who we become down the road. So that I often think about, okay, where am I now? Where is the future self that I'm traveling to or kind of marching on towards? Because it it's a journey. Sure. And what are the habits or the practices that get me to that version of myself, to that version who's giving TED Talks and doing these even bigger things that feel scary now, but in 10 years might feel like second nature. We're, we're building those muscles. So I just share that because those practices of being with myself were a huge part of being able to step out on the ledge. You bring up an incredible point about repetition and, and really mastering what you want to be best at and what your best skills are. I I talk about this often. I'm a golfer recreationally, but I've been playing since I was seven. I'm constantly swinging the club to get better. And I don't hit a ball before taking a practice swing. And that has just built the motion into my memory. When you get that, you, you get so much better at what you're doing. And it allows you to take on much bigger things because you're getting better at your craft. To think back to when I started podcasting, I've been doing this for nearly a decade now. I could go back to my first episode. I can't, I don't even know where it is, but if I were to try to dig it up, I know (laughs) I don't have the same ability to communicate and carry on a conversation, or at least I should say back then I didn't have that ability, but through repetition and constantly being aware of where I wanted to go and, and having destinations that I wanted to reach, but appreciating the journey along the way, because as I move forward towards that destination, I'm learning so much. That's what's helped me build my brand. And you've just illustrated the exact same way. That's led you to become the leader that you are and practice this conscious leadership. So let's dig into that a little bit more. So tell us what your definition of conscious leadership is. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's something that everyone feels the exact same way about, but how does this philosophy work and how do you apply it 
to growing your personal brand and making yourself a person that people want to turn to trust as a resource and know that you are guiding them in the right direction? I love this question. Conscious leadership really starts with getting clear on not only who you are and what your purpose is, it's, it's being that self leader, as I mentioned earlier. And, and what does that look like? That looks like investigating your inner talk, for example, that inner culture. Each one of us internalizes the culture that we see out there in the external world, the, the culture that we're brought up in, the culture that we first experienced maybe early in our career. We internalize a lot of that. And we're, we're speaking to ourselves in some pretty gnarly ways if we really stop and listen. And so one thing I like to ask is, if someone spoke to you like you speak to you, would you work for them? Oh boy. And a lot of people <laughs> are like, no, I'm, I'm so unkind to myself and telling myself to get back to work. You have to do this. You have to go to work at the expense of your health, at the expense of your children and the, the closeness that you have with them or whatever it might be. So, so to me, conscious leadership really starts with that self leadership piece and building an inner culture of dignity and inner culture of love even. And I really believe that leadership starts with us and ripples out into everything that we do. So by cultivating that self-awareness and that conscious leadership within, we get to then bring that raised awareness to how we're showing up with others. How does the language that we use impact the people on our team? How does the structure of a, a big project cycle, for example, impact the family members of the people on your team? And so you can send this consciousness out to further and further ripples, if you will. And, and you start to realize that if I show up unconsciously, if I am reacting from a place of my own trauma as a leader, and I'm stuck in a reactive state of fight or flight. I'm, I'm only in urgency. I am only in hyper productivity, which is so common in our work cultures, especially in startup culture. And this big myth of we need to work a hundred hours and go, 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 never stop to realize our dreams. I've realized that's not actually true. The faster path, and again, it's not linear, but like the faster, more aligned path is often a more aware path and, and baking mm -hmm. in this self-awareness into all of the micro moments along the way. And I think when you start to do this work of leading more consciously, realizing, okay, how, how am I impacting myself? How do I want to show up to my life? How do I want to show up to the mission that I have and, and the way that I connect with my work? And you start to develop a deeper set of principles or values or standards for yourself when you look at this with more scrutiny as well, eventually you get into the territory of, ah, I'm leading from authenticity. I'm leading from integrity because I know what that looks like for me because I've taken the time to investigate what that even is. I'm not getting that from a course outside of myself necessarily. Um, yeah. Although courses can be a great way to, to help be a mirror and invite us into those investigative questions that that really shape how we even see ourselves and i think the way that this connects to the evolution of our brand is that when we are clear and coherent within ourselves we're able to coherently transmit that message and that purposeful work 
out into everything that we touch. And again, be that beacon that has that that transmission or that that signature of our messaging of our brand that people can self-select into. I often say, let my authenticity be either a filter or an attractor. Let it let it attract you or repel you. And if it repels you, that's great information. That's great feedback. And so I've found over the years as well that by being a more conscious leader, I'm attracting the people that I want to play with much more effectively than when I was trying to filter or cater my message to other people in favor of people pleasing or out of the fear of not belonging, out of the fear of being rejected, whatever it might be. So as, you know, as within, so without. And, and that is really at the heart of, of conscious leadership. I think you've just struck a chord, and I'm sure listeners in the EOB Mafia can either think back to when they were first starting off as a new entrepreneur or getting something new off the ground, or even if they're in that phase right now, you get in this mindset to where you have to bring in business, you have to generate revenue. And that's absolutely correct. But I know I've experienced, I've talked to so many people that have experienced that toxic client because it wasn't an alignment of values. It was more desperation. Do I need to get some clients on the books? I've got to start bringing some money in. And that's when you have to say, now, of course, I understand the importance and you have to find the best way to set some boundaries, set some clear expectations so they understand what's what's going to happen in this relationship. But you almost have to look at those types of experiences and say, but at what cost? If I'm exactly. going to alter my message, alter my beliefs, alter what I know is going to help this person get from point A to point B, my vision of transformation for them, if it's not aligning on the front end, it's going to be rough. If you choose to move forward, you have to accept the fact that you painted this picture. You are the one that decided to move forward. But I think so many new aspiring entre entrepreneurs fall into that trap. And oftentimes they don't break out of it. It can lead to burnout. It can lead to feelings of not getting what you want, not feeling that fulfillment. And it can make people change course well before they've ever made a breakthrough and reached the levels of success they had set for themselves. 100%. I'm so glad you mentioned burnout in this because there is a huge cost to going forward in a misaligned way. And I was in that myself for many years of kind of going against my own integrity and adopting other people's values or learning how to make a lot of money for other people, but not learning how to make it for myself. And I burnt out probably four or five times in my twenties, like pretty significant. And what I found was that over extraction of our own energy, really of, of our talent and giving it to someone else without filling the cup back up that is a very transactional and extractive relationship that we tend to be in or can be in when there's misalignment or when we are in survival and maybe doing it for a paycheck there but there's not that reciprocity so this is one thing i've learned to really notice in more recent years of when is something life-giving as in i'm doing something or in a in a conversation that's filling me back up and when am i walking away feeling really drained from working with a client or or whoever it might be and just noticing it like almost like an energy audit because i do think these days managing our energy 
is as important, if not more important, than managing our time. And we, we can over-extract our life force and our energy. And, and then you have to spend all this time coming back from that mm-hmm. and healing burnout and facing the work trauma that now lives in the body where the body is like, wait a minute, I don't want to go get another job. Like paychecks are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so I really had to grapple with a lot of that in healing my own burnout and realize, oh, this is a trauma response because I was managing myself unconsciously for so many years and not treating myself with the the reverence or the respect or the gratitude that I would want someone else to treat me with. So again, there's that inner outer connection, but it, yeah, it, it can really lead to some significant burnout and it costs you more in the long run, I think. I agree with you completely, Nicole, because I feel like this, this subject of burnout, it comes up often here on Evolution of Brand and I feel that it does because those that are aware of it and can and can feel it coming understand what a culprit it can be to success and growth. So being able to recognize those early signs and making some shifts and understanding there has to be some pivots so you don't go down that path, it, it, it's incredibly important. And and for you to say you burn out four times in your 20s, look at how far you've come. You've been able to bounce back from that. That's a tremendous jump forward because some people hit it once and say, I never want to go anywhere near that again. So it's a completely different direction in life, professionally and personally. So that fear never comes back or that feeling never comes back. They fear it so much that they can never grow from it. But what you've done is taking the, taking those experiences, understood that, yeah, they sucked, but you learned something and you're able to move forward. And then when it happened again, you did the same thing. And it ultimately led to success you had patience, you had determination and perseverance, which I think is something that everyone has to keep front of mind, no matter what they're trying to do in their leadership practices, in the growth of their personal brand. It all plays such a critical role. And if you can be aware of what's happening in the moment, it's going to help you make changes when you need to. So you don't burn out and you stay the course the way you need to. And I think a big part of that is the body awareness of it all and getting out of our heads, out of our intellect that we're often asked to stay in almost permanently in today's work world. Mm -hmm. So getting into our body, simple things like getting in nature or taking a dance break or, or whatever it might be gets us out of the cycle and into a state of consciousness. And I I just want to add to the, the burnout conversation a little bit here because I do a lot of work with sustainability professionals in particular. And there's another flavor of burnout that I see a lot at the executive level where when you have either a a big platform or you're running a big company that has a a grand mission that's going to help people, you can be burning out for good reason or so you think, right? Because we're, we're doing this to save the world. We're doing this to make more jobs. We're doing this to fill in the blank. And we can feel like, ah, that's a good reason to sacrifice my health and to go beyond what's actually sustainable for me. But we cannot actually be effective leaders if we ourselves are burnt out. We're more impactful if we take that pause, get into the body, and we're in that, that regenerative relationship with our work instead of the transactional or the extractive. And we can, we can go so much further in this. 
And when I first had this aha, it kind of blew my mind. And, and I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to systems thinking and all this, but that same pattern that we have in modern work culture of over extracting energy from the body, are we not doing that same thing with our planet right now? Are, are we not doing that in other yeah, areas of our collective systems? So if we can heal that pattern within ourselves, now we're not showing up in extractive relationship to other people. Now, when as a leader, when I feel a sense of urgency, I'm not defaulting to over extracting from another person on my team and perpetuating the cycle. And hopefully I'm not leading a company that over extracts from nature and puts future generations in a state of over extraction. So it, it's kind of cool when you start to see the patterns level of this and how much value or large scale impact simply working on yourself has because it changes how you show up to every single thing in your life. And that connection for me has been huge to the point where I've taken like full seasons of life completely off from work just to look at my own patterns. And I know not everyone can do that, but just to be like, okay, I don't even know how to rest. I don't even know how to sit still. <laughs> I've been in yeah. the game for so long that I can't even sit on a meditation cushion and be with myself and be with my own thoughts. So that takes a level of bravery as well to, to slow down and go against the momentum or against the grain of what we think we're expected to do, of what we think makes us valuable in this world and to see, oh, wow, when I love myself, when I ask these deep questions, that's a value too. Nicole, you've covered so much powerful information today. I, I know you've given me a lot to think about. I'm sure EOB Mafia feels the same. I want to thank you for taking the time to bring all of this wisdom to the show today. How do we keep this good thing going by connecting with you and getting even more value from the world of Nicole Belisle? Well, there's two main places that you can go. One is NicoleBelisle.com to see what I'm up to there. There's a resource library on all things conscious leadership and ditto, but different over at livingleaders.org, which is a nonprofit that I run. And that's really focused on regenerative leadership specifically. How do we model our businesses and our leadership practices after nature and get into this regenerative relationship? So if that resonated, livingleaders.org is probably the place to go. And I'm on Instagram under both of those names, two different accounts, and always posting good content there. So those would be the best places. Well, I'll make sure I have those links in the show notes so everybody can connect. Nicole, before I let you go, if the listener that's taking in our conversation right now wants to put more emphasis on conscious leadership, what do you recommend to them as the very first step they need to take? It's going to sound really simple but breathe, like step outside, put a hand on your heart and just take a breath and ask, how am I right now? Where am I? And, and do that self check-in. So, so powerful to, to raise that awareness. Sometimes the most simple things in the world can be the most powerful. So take a breath. I couldn't agree with you more, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me today on Evolution of Brand. Thank you, Jason. It's been so fun. EOB Mafia, thank you for taking this ride with Nicole and I today. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com, click on the archives link, then go to episode 153. Or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash Nicole Belisle for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. 
If you want to show your support for Evolution of Brand, rate, review, subscribe, and follow. It is all appreciated. But above all else, if you got something from today's conversation, please recommend it to one person in your circle who you know will feel the impact as well. You've been listening to Evolution of Brand. Until our paths cross again, this is Jason Sircone reminding you to never stop evolving.